Not my first radio. It's the, uh, my second. <laughs> Welcome to Pragmatic. Pragmatic is a show about technology and contemplating the finer details and their practical application. By exploring the real-world trade-offs, we dive into how great ideas can be transformed into products and services that impact our lives. Pragmatic is entirely supported by you, our listeners. If you'd like to support us and keep the show ad-free, you can by becoming a premium supporter. Premium support is available via Patreon and through the Apple Podcasts channel subscription. Premium supporters have access to early release, high-quality versions of episodes, as well as bonus material from all of our shows not available anywhere else. Just visit engineer.network slash pragmatic to learn how you can help this show to continue to be made. Thank you. I'm your host, John Chigi, and today I'm joined again once again by my good friend, Vic Hudson. How you doing, Vic? I'm good, John. How are you? Not too bad. I'm enjoying the uh, the podcasting booth, aka Sweatbox. It's the mm. middle of summer. The air conditioning has not plumbed in properly yet, and hence... Oh dear, but that's okay. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be sweaty, but it's gonna be good. Hmm. I will <laughs> trade you weather if you'd like. Do you know what I woke up to this morning? Tell me. Snow and three degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> mm. But you see, you're talking to the man that used to live in Calgary, mate. I mean, mm-hmm. the only thing I didn't like about the snow was de-icing my car in the morning in the car park. That's the only thing I didn't like. Yeah, that blows. Yeah. That blows really bad. Mm-hmm. Anyway, having said that, um, I also miss the mountains, and and snow is beautiful in it its own way. It is pretty through the window. Except, except when you... Through the window. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when you're trying to get somewhere and there's a foot of it on the ground, it's some. It's it's less good. Yeah, it's a it. lot less good then. <laughs> so I've got a whole bunch of stuff I wanted to cover uh, today. Uh, I do have a, a sort of a primary topic. What you got, man? Okay. I do have a primary to- topic, sort of, um, but uh, it's all got to do with... Uh, you can't call it 3D, right? You got to call it spatial. But we'll get to that. Spatial 3D computing. Video, but we'll get to that. Spatial computing. <sighs> yes, that's it. Indeed, my, I do all my computing spatially. You should also not call it Vision Pro, the Vision Pro. <laughs> oh, God, you have to please. call it Apple Vision Pro. I'll call it whatever the hell I want. Um, expensive doorstop. There's another name it may get. Anyway, let's let's keep going. Mm. Uh, there's other Continue. things to talk about first. I'm intrigued. Uh-huh. Okay, so just I touched on it briefly. I have an issue um, with sound booth cooling. So I have the air conditioning unit and I have some of the parts necessary that I acquired over the holidays. And, um, anyway, unfortunately for me, I don't really have, um, how do I put this? Uh, I don't have all of the last pieces for me to make a start on it. Therefore, um, I haven't done anything about it. So I'm still on a a, a non-air conditioned sound booth. And there's one other tiny problem. I have no air conditioning in the rest of my house. My wife spotted a air conditioning unit um, sitting next to the podcasting booth, not doing anything. It's the middle of summer. It's 90 degrees Fahrenheit out there regularly. So she says, well, that air conditioning unit could be doing something constructive. I'm like, yeah, it could be. And so it disappeared into the house. She stole it. I think it's borrowed. It's borrowed. And I borrowed it back just for this morning's recording. So there you go. So I've cooled down the inside of the sound booth and we're good to go. As soon as um, I start to melt into a puddle, uh, we'll take a break. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm tough. I can handle this, mm. I say now. Okay, right. So just a note about that, but we'll move on. Um, I'm hoping in the next month or two I'll be able to finish this job because, honestly, when the air conditioning is running in here, it really is quite pleasant. It's just I can't close the door because there's no exit hole. I've got to cut one into the side of it, put the baffle boxes on. It's on the to-do list. Anyway. All right. So... Next bit of news that uh, happened since last time is I finally have solar power back again at my house. I've got 10 kilowatts installed. Um, I mean, technically, it's 13.2 kilowatts of panels, and I've got a 10 kilowatt three-phase inverter. Mm. And it's a beautiful system. They're new panels. They've been installed much better than the previous panels. And um, I'm producing something like, uh, I think, 80. I think yesterday uh, was a sunny day. I had 82 kilowatt hours in one day. Um, very impressive. So that sounds impressive. Um, because I can't. Yeah. For those of us that don't speak kilowatt hours, like yeah, what what are we looking at here? Can you run the whole house with that? And for how long? I could. Yes. 
if I had batteries, I could run the house indefinitely, provided nice. uh, I was getting. I th- yeah, I, I was get yeah, but I'd have to have um, batteries that could do probably twenty kilowatt hour of storage. Uh-huh. Um, which I realized the whole you know the whole thing in with storage and capacity has all been messed up thanks to vehicles and stuff. So technically, we measure things in amp hours and such um, because voltage determines power. But never mind, doesn't matter. Uh, bottom line is uh, I don't have batteries because uh, they're a little bit pricey uh, still. So maybe someday I'll get a, a power wall or more, like, more likely a cheaper, um, equally good Chinese version uh, because they've got some really good ones coming out of China. Uh, keeping in, keeping note that my Tesla Model 3 has um, Chinese battery packs in it, right? Right. So the LFP. That's cool. Do you anyway, you you at least have the thing like where your your electric meter runs backwards sometimes and and you get credit from the the power yeah. company right? Yep, that's that's right. That's- so my last power bill, yeah, my my last power bill um, at at this point in time uh, for two months, I think my electricity's cost me a hundred bucks for two months, which previously it was costing me about eight hundred dollars. So the solar system is making an enormous difference. Um, and I've been charging the car on solar just by using a bunch of automations, which are probably going to go away. And then I signed up to something that we're testing at work, which gives me eight cents a kilowatt hour charging, which is pretty cool for my Tesla. But uh, so, yeah, um, but because I'm the sort of, well, a person uh, that I am, I'm also going to go to my absolute limit as um, as permitted by uh, Queensland law, mm-hmm. which is uh, 15 kilowatts. So I've got another five kilowatt system. I'm waiting for final approval from the electricity authority. That's Energex. So hopefully that gets approved in the next few weeks and installed sometime late February. That would be cool. What's involved in that approval? And then it'll, I'll have even more. You expect any, Sorry? What's involved in that approval? Do you expect any trouble or is it just formalities? Well, no. It, it, so the story was that about a year ago, we applied to have uh, a 15 kilowatt system installed. Actually, it was more like 18 months ago, and um, Energex rejected it because our house, when we got three phase power connected, it was actually connected up by three independent uh, phases: one from each path, one from each feeder um, that came through different physical pathways, which is a big no-no. You can do it, but you really shouldn't. You can get away with it in residential because generally you don't have balanced three phase machines. Whereas, um, you know, in an industrial environment, that would never work because you try and hook up phases A, B, and C to an induction motor and it would just, you probably destroy the motor. So anyway, um, at some point, they realized that that was only temporary. And unbeknownst to us, we saw them doing a whole bunch of upgrades to transformers on like pole mount transformers on the streets. And right. um, we had power outages at our house, multiple power outages, and they pulled a new three-phase cable into our house. And um, and this all just happened. I didn't ask them to do it. They just did it, um, which is one of the great things about having a um, yeah, an electricity authority that's actually on the ball. And for all of the crap that people give Energex, they were on the ball and they were fixing up this hack job solution that they had. Now, as soon as they did that, of course, knowing what I know, I'm looking at the rating of the transformers. Because, you know, that's what people do when you walk down the street. You look up and you say, oh, wow, that's that's, uh, that's 100 kVA and that's 150. Okay, interesting. Anyway. Um, I always so, do okay, I know normal people. Sometimes I get yes, distracted I know. staring at them while I'm driving. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And then you run into the <laughs> pole and you're like, oops. Um, but yes. Right. Uh, anyhow. Yeah. Anyway, no, that it, and listeners know that Vic has not done that. So I'm just kidding. Anyhow, moving on. Um, so I went back to Energex with a new application and... The rules had changed since I did the last application, and they had to split the system into two pieces, a 10 kilowatt and a 5 kilowatt. And so the 10 kilowatt got approved and the 5 kilowatt got lost um, in the system. So the 10 kilowatt got installed, and I'm still waiting for the 5 kilowatt. Now, because they've upgraded all of the, the back end, it should just go ahead. It should. But, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. We'll see. Right. So... Hopefully, I'll find out soon. Hopefully, it is just a formality. Alrighty, that's cool. That's cool. All right. Um, the one thing I did do, creatively speaking, at least over the break, um, the Christmas holidays, was I did an episode of Pragmatic Electric, which I hadn't done in a while. I did episode. Mm-hmm. I've, I've so now made ten episodes of Pragmatic Electric. That is a video um, version of this podcast about DC charging infrastructure. Um, it's very. This particular episode is very 
you know, locally focused. So, um, you know, if it's if you're not in southeast Queensland or even Queensland as the state, you're probably not going to care. But it's just it's really been wonderful to see there's been a massive rollout of, of charging infrastructure. What what if we want to watch it just to see Chigi? Well, you can certainly do that, and I would encourage you to do so. Okay. Um, the video itself has had an enormous 49 views as of last night. I think I checked it was. So I've almost cracked 50 views. Yay. Anyway, it's not a big thing. It's just something to do to sort of scratch that creativity itch and sort of thing. And I figure that having that on this show and going into all those details is probably not of very much interest to the audience of this particular podcast. So mm. if you want to, there'll be a link in the show notes. Feel free to check it out. Uh, I'll post about it. When I was doing... two, three more views. <laughs> Why, thank you, Vic. <laughs> I do what I can, man. Oh, dear. I know, I know. It's awesome. So um, honestly, I just wanted to say about EVs. I came across this in the last couple of weeks. Uh, I've been back at work now this is, uh, for, th- for uh, two through three weeks now. So I only had that one week over Christmas, so a week and a half. You know, you take the, the days off between, um, well, Christmas Day and New Year's Day and call it a, a holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's really not because you're running around going to family events and you're like, yeah, okay. Anyway, never mind. There's not a lot of rest involved. No, that's the problem. <laughs> I want a holiday where I can rest. Right. Anyway, it's all good, really. All right. So um, I came across this article because there's a lot of um, electric vehicle hate, I would say. I think it's a fair way of putting it. And so the hate is going to hate, 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 said Tay-Tay. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, uh, yeah, so... EV fires, they're like, oh, electric cars, you know, they um, they catch on fire a lot and they're really, really dangerous and so on and so forth. And I always suspected that was BS because the number of ca- cars I've seen on the side of a road that have burnt out, um, and even one time I drove past a car that was currently on fire, um, you know, gasoline-powered, petrol-powered car. I was going to say, I'll bet it ran on some sort of dinosaur fuel. <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. People don't realize that they, they forget. And I know that when we when they um, they went away from single-skin to, like, double-skin fuel tanks and, um, you know, they there are improvements to the placing of fuel lines and everything in a car and uh, fuel injectors versus carburetors and, you know, that they're all incremental improvements in safety and such for um, resilience firewalls, for example, for protecting occupants, mm-hmm. um, you know, and so on. But the bottom line is that I found an article. Um, I mean, it is an Australian article that's referencing an American study. So the link is to the Australian article, but the American study that this came from. Uh, is in there anyway. So they found that petrol and diesel vehicles experienced 1,535 per 100,000 vehicles, whereas only 25 out of 100,000 electric vehicles caught fire. That's fully electric vehicles too. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's good to clear up some fear, uncertainty, and doubt that's often spread about electric vehicles. But of course, me being me, it's not entirely that simple, and I kind of know that because that's not fair from the point of view of there's no breakdown of the age of those cars. So the chances that a brand new car that's gasoline powered is going to catch on fire is much lower than one that's 10 years old. I think that's fair to say. Correct. Because, you know, like rubber deteriorates and, yeah, you know, damage happens and, yeah. So the number of electric vehicles out there would not be 10 years old. I mean, there'd be some that are 10 years old, absolutely, but there would not be very many. So, A few Teslas and such, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. you're not going to have a 10-year-old very well. You're going to have some 10-year-old Teslas because the first Model S was sold in 2014, so you will actually, but you're not going to have that many. So saying uh, like 100,000 new cars of either type, um, it's like that, yeah. So I, I realize there's a flaw in that, and I suspect the number of EVs that are of the same age would actually have more than 25 out of 100,000 uh, vehicles would have caught fire. I don't think it'd be like an order of magnitude or two orders mm. of magnitude more, but it would certainly be a lot more. Maybe. But it should still be less. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, the bottom line is, you know, when you're talking about petrol and diesel vehicles, I mean... The principle behind the whole thing is that the stuff is flammable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You you light that stuff up, it goes bang inside yeah. an enclosed space, drives a piston, makes you go. Yeah. So it's kind of like, hmm, is this stuff volatile? 
anyway. Yeah. But I mean, any, any, this is the thing that, that people need to get a grip on. And that is that any device that's capable of storing energy is capable of releasing that energy in a very rapid fashion if something goes wrong. And that something that goes wrong will vary depending upon the technology. Right. Like in a new case of a nuclear reactor, just pull all the control rods out and see what happens. They did that at Chernobyl and it went real well. No, no. I, I, I saw some things that taught me that was not a good thing to do. <laughs> mm, indeed. Indeed. All right. And speaking of electric vehicles, one of the long-anticipated vehicles from Tesla finally got released since we last spoke. And that is oh the Cybertruck. No. What are your thoughts and thoughts on the Cybertruck, Vic? I mm, that thing is god awful ugly. God <laughs> <laughs> mm. If um, I were in the market, I am actually in yeah. the market for a pickup truck. I'm sorry, Scott, because he's going to hate to hear that because we've it's been a, a point of contention. But uh, if I were in the market for an EV truck, I've actually been pretty impressed with the uh, Chevy Silverado EV. The Cybertruck is yeah. god awful ugly, man. See, <laughs> I think that the problem with the Cybertruck and its looks is that if you're trying to go for mass adoption, having something that is that striking and that con- um, polarizing, that's going to work against you because you're it going looks to be like trying it's to from normalize a Mad Max get- movie, man. <laughs> it does. Um, it does a bit, yeah. I'd say more Blade Runner, but I mean, well, the, the reality difference. is that. I mean, well, not yeah, the same difference, but, some things you know. in common. Yeah. I mean, I guess my point is, if, in fact, you're trying to get as many of these out there as possible to solve the, I want to build a truck, that uh, pickup truck that the majority of Americans are going to want to buy instead of their traditional gasoline-powered counterparts, making it look like something like that is probably not... So, if you making it look like something that's completely fundamentally different, you then force people who would ordinarily buy a Chevy Silverado or uh, Ford F-150, mm-hmm. and they're going to look at this and they're going to say, this thing looks terrible, I'm not buying that crap. People that buy pickup trucks don't always buy them because they want to be looked at. They buy them because they're practical and they just, they're a truck. They don't have to have a presence. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, some people get off on people staring at them. When I first got my Model 3 here in Australia, um, it was the first few months that the Model 3 was available. Like, I was I was not the first. I was probably the in Queensland. I was probably the, in the first thousand or two. Um, so it's not, it's not like you're... How do I put this? It's like I did get people staring at me and, you know, waving and pointing... For the first few months, like, but after six months, there were so many of them on the, of the road, it just just stopped. Right. The Cybertruck strikes me as the sort of car that because it is so different, you're going to get that for years. And some people don't want that. It made me feel a bit uncomfortable sometimes because I'm I'm just I'm just trying to go to the shops, mate. Like, what? Right. Don't stop me and have a conversation about my car. I just want to go and buy some butter. Like, what? What? What gives? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So. Um, Bottom line, Cybertruck is on sale. A part of me wants one. A part of me measured their garage. Oh, actually, no. That was a... That, yeah, I, I guess technically it was a part of me. And the measuring tape. I measured my garage. And it won't fit. Uh, <laughs> it'll fit in my shed. <laughs> Just. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's a beast of a thing, eh? It's a beast of a thing. And honestly, American pickup trucks are insanely huge. And... There's so few places in Australia where they those cars would fit because all of our cars are all based on, um, like, we did have bigger cars for a while. Australian-made cars were bigger, um, but the Japanese won out because the Japanese cars were, quite frankly, cheaper, more reliable, and uh, more economical. So that's why people went for them. Uh, so more than, I think, 60% of the cars that we have in Australia are, J- are Japanese, and they those cars are just smaller by by design so these big american pickups we look at them and they're like they won't fit in 80 90 of the car parks unless unless you're going to the handful of costcos that are out there there's a handful of other newer shopping centers that got wider car park spaces for them but otherwise you'll you'll park in a car park and you'll have to take up two spots otherwise you won't be able to open the doors to get out mm. it's just not going to work so anyway 
I, I would I, like one. A I lot think. of the guys driving those are going to park in two spots anyway. Let's be honest. <laughs> like you, they don't they they don't want you scratching it up. Man. Yeah, well maybe. <laughs> Let's, yeah, good luck scratching that thing. I tell you what, though, if it does get scratched, good good luck getting the scratch out. Well, let's let's not forget the windshield demonstration. Mm. Oh, funny thing, I, you know what? As much as people like to take the piss out of Tesla, they can they are so good at taking the piss out of themselves. That's like on the touchscreen in in the Tesla, mm-hmm. you can actually open up a page on there that shows you a like isometric view of your car, and you can like spin the car around and. And just have a look at it, and it's like, oh, that's kind of cool, like a three D model sort of thing, right? And right on the Cybertruck, they have exactly the same thing, but it, there's a hidden Easter egg in the Cybertruck. If you actually go into the Cybertruck's three um, D model and you tap and keep tapping on the glass on the side window glass, does it, it break? Smashes. Nice. Like it, it, it comes up and it goes. Yeah. <laughs> well, at like, least I've got so a sense good. of humor, and you can buy. I know, right? It's like for all the crap that people lay on Tesla and everything and Elon Musk's an idiot and whatever the hell people say, you know, it's like the the haters are going to hate, but you can't deny the fact that at least they don't try to bury stuff. At least they're, they're being honest and they're owning it, you know? And I respect that. It takes, it takes a bit of – it takes a certain kind of company attitude to be able to laugh at yourself and say – Maybe throwing a massive ball bearing into the glass was not a good demo to do on a live <laughs> on a live stage. No, anyway. <laughs> it was so not. And it wasn't scripted, eh? It wasn't because because Elon Musk is like, oh my f- god, it's <laughs> 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 like the look on his face. He's been saying, yeah, it's bulletproof. Oh, I can't my. imagine any circumstances <laughs> where they would have done that on purpose. No, 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 no. Anyway, moving on. Um. Now, last time we spoke on Is This the Show, which is episode five, um, I was complaining about a whole bunch of stuff. Specifically, mm-hmm. one of them, though, I was complaining about um, Nova. And I was saying, oh, yeah, I can't really uh, justify, you know, buying Nova because it's expensive. It's like $99 US and every year, you know, if I want updates, I've got to pay it again. And I don't know how much I get use out of it. Well, the truth is that once I configured it the way I liked it, uh-huh. um, I kind of kept using it, and then it's I really kept nice, using it, John. and then it's I'm like, "Really nice, damn, this is so good." And so I bought it. Um, I caved in and it's I bought it. It's a great it, text editor. I don't editor. regret it. It's 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 a great text yeah. editor. You've got terminals built in, local and remote. You've got local and remote file browsers built in. It's basically got transmit built in. Honestly, it's just it's really nice. Oh, There's yeah, a pretty good set of extensions and an extension library for it. Depending on what you're working on, you can find a lot of things to help with that. Yeah, oh, it's it truly is amazing as a, as an app, and it is um, honestly, yeah. I I don't regret buying it now. Um, well, paying for it for twelve months, um, and it's been fantastic. It hasn't missed a beat. It uh, doesn't chew up memory the way Adam did, which is great. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it's just it gives me nicer choices, and it's just easy to configure. And I'm just like, no, I'm not I'm not moving back. And the latest update, which uh, I forget the version number of it, but the latest update point eight, mm-hmm. I think it might be ten point eight, whatever the latest update is. Uh, they really improved their Git integration as well. Yeah. Uh, so you can have a look at your commit tree comments and branches and everything, and it is so sweet, all within Nova. Yeah. So, um, yep, hats off to Panic. Honestly, you know, it is a great app, and it, it is worth it, I think. Even though I was humming and harring and I was annoyed at the time, um, I did it anyway, and the fact that I did it anyway is a testament to how good it is, I think. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, so, honestly yes. speaking, the subscription pricing on it does kind of hurt, but... Yeah, if you're gonna get use out of it and and really appreciate it, I mean that's not too bad of a price for the kind of tool that it is. Yeah, it's it's very nice and it's just it nothing comes close to it to me. No, it's uh, it is a fantastic app. So I just wanted to mention uh, by way of uh, yes, I finally pulled the trigger and uh, I rescind my previous frustration. I just I just did it. Anyway, all right. Moving on. So I want to start now talking about um, the first thing, which is last time we spoke on this show, uh, we talked about uh, my impending arrival of an iPhone 15 Pro Max. Correct. So um, they, 
yes. So I did actually buy one um, only a few days um, afterwards, uh, after we recorded, I believe. Mm-hmm. So I know that was a few months ago, but I have been using my iPhone 15 Pro Max now for a couple of months, um, you know, with its leather case. Sorry, Guy. And um, it is, uh, it's, I mean, honestly, of course I'm going to say this because the phone I have now is my favorite phone of all time. Like my favorite lens in a camera is the newest one I, I just bought. So, but this this phone, my only complaint with the, the Max size has always been, damn, it's heavy. And so if I put it in shorts that I'm wearing mm-hmm. and those shorts don't have like original elastic that actually holds up, it just, it, my, my pants start falling down, man. It's, mm. <laughs> it's like. Gonna need a belt. Thing is a brick. <laughs> I didn't. Mm, no, no. Screw no. belts. I'd, I'll do belts for work. That's it. Anyway. So, is it any um, better if you put it in your back pocket? Sorry, Clay. <laughs> no, this is my back pocket. Okay, this is your back pocket. That is my back pocket. All right. <laughs> I'm talking about my back pocket. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So bottom line is it is an amazing phone. Um, and comparing it to an iPhone 12, which is a three-year jump, clearly I'm going to say that. Um, so I've done a lot of video and I've done a lot of photos with it mm-hmm. and I've been comparing them in, uh, so like daylight, uh, low light conditions, mm-hmm. um, you know, both video and still photos in both. And I've also uh, been doing some spatial videos, which we'll talk about later on. But um, for the moment, okay. I guess my 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 thinking my thoughts on the camera is i was i was buying it mainly for the ability to do zoomed in video mm-hmm. uh so that i could take it into indoor sports without having to sign the damn waiver saying yeah here's a blood sample here's a dna sample here's a whatever sample you know driver's license sign your life away mm-hmm. um so i can now go into these games and not have to worry about any of that yeah which is great. Um, and there's I'm, plenty of I'm other parents that do exactly what I do. assuming we're talking about that new 5X lens. Yes. Uh, although Frindor basketball, uh, unless I'm right down the other end of the court, 2X is fine uh, of the other end of the court, and they're playing down the other end at the moment, then that's the only time I'd need the 5X. 2X is generally enough mm. um, when I'm doing video. That's cool. So um, 5X is great for cricket. If I'm out in the boundary line, it gives passable video. It's not as good, obviously, as 300 or 400 mil lenses that I've had in the past for my other camera, but Mm -hmm. it is much nicer video, in my opinion, um, because they, all of Apple's, I don't know, they do a lot of video image processing and stuff, so they've got a lot of that, whereas I don't think think that the Nikon, Nikon is, is as good at it. So I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but 4K video out of my phone and five at 120 mil on the 5X is better than the equivalent out of my Nikon. Uh, so take what you will from that. Mm-hmm. The flip side of it, though, is the photos. Well, they aren't. Um, so at in low light in in daylight conditions, mm-hmm. it's not it's not as uh, it's no contest in daylight conditions. Um, I could use either and you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. So having the, the Nikon there with me is not going to get me that much better a photo than I can take with my phone in, in good lighting conditions, which is great. Yeah. But at nighttime, still photos on the iPhone 15 are absolutely terrible of, of, of moving action. It's just right. you don't even bother. I tried it just to, to prove my point. There's just not enough light. It just it is not enough. It will Man. not work. I think all of their algorithms and stuff focus on on still photography for low light. Uh, yeah. It, it it if you stay still, that's fine. If you're moving, it will simply be terrible. So right, there is no substitute for having a camera um, like a, a like an eighty five millimeter f one point eight lens. Um, you will not beat that, or a seventy to two hundred f two point eight or f two if you're good enough to afford something like that. You know, it's you cannot beat that if you're trying to take still photos in low light conditions. So mm. that still wins, but for video, it's fine. And I suspect the reason is because there's a lot of computational video going on in the background on the phone. Mm. So it, it'll probably be comparing 
like previous frame to next frame and and compensating for lighting levels and right you and if you do a it's doing a lot of cleanup yeah and if you actually pause and try and extract a frame it's no better than an, a still photo so it's a little bit mind bending but because you're because it's moving video um the resol the, the sharpness of it is less apparent so in any case i'm happy with it in that regard but it will never replace um my Nikon for still photos in low light. It will never do it um, uh, for, for sports. Hmm. But that's okay. I kind of figured that going in. Um, but other than that, it's been a fantastic phone. Um, it is uh, it is a little bit he- on the big and heavy side. Um, the bigger screen has pluses and minuses. Obviously, it's been well discussed on many, many by many people. Mm-hmm. But um, I did it for the 5X camera, and I don't regret that choice. So that is now my phone for the next three years. And... Um, yeah, so there you go. Any uh, thoughts or questions? You got USB-C too. I do. I'm currently enjoying the USB-C for data transfer, but I, what I want to do is I want to invest in a, a USB thumb drive. I was going to say, have you tried the thing where you just basically offload your video directly to external storage yet? Uh, I have, but my problem is that none of my external drives have a fast enough write speed. They're all quite old. I haven't bought. Gotcha a um an external drive recently the only drive i bought recently is connected to my lightning node and um mm-hmm. i can't really disconnect that and and, and use it because that will then i'll lose all of my <laughs> i'll lose my i'll lose my sats so i can't use that one so i need to buy another one don't want to lose your sats <laughs> yeah man don't lose your sats yeah but look i um i need to go and buy one but it's not just that simple because you also need to buy one that's got the right shape mm. Because the USB-C hole in the base of the um, uh, the case that I've got, um, mm-hmm. it has an it has like a, a certain shape to it. So if you don't get one that has a matching shape, it won't fit. Some of those are a kind of a tight yeah. fit. Because I tried. Yeah. I, I've got a I've got an adapter that does USB-C to USB-A, and I, it won't fit. Like it mm-hmm. just won't fully insert when the case is on. And so I've been doing my research and everything. I just haven't taken the plunge yet. I need a spare 60, 70 bucks. Uh, it's, on the, it's on the wish list, but not very high on the wish list, I guess. Right. All righty. So we'll talk about special videos in a minute. Um, now, I don't think I've talked about my 3D adventures on this show with the, um, the, the Fujifilm FinePix Real 3D camera. I talked about that on Is This The Show. Mm. So I just want to give a quick rundown of this. So in August last year... Um, I bought myself a odd birthday present. Uh, I bought a, a a 3D camera, which was the the most popular, highest rated 3D camera um, to date, and the, like consumer level. And this particular camera was notable for several reasons: is it had a lenticular display on the back, and it also allowed you to record video uh, in 720p, uh, as well as take uh, 3D photos, and. It's um it was a it's a beautiful camera and I when I bought it I got it second hand at a uh, at a uh, a pawn shop I suppose you would say um second hand store whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. um cost me about 200 something uh, I think it was 200 bucks I forget now something like that anyway and uh, I didn't notice it in the store but the left hand lens uh sensor has a single uh, vertical row of pixels that's dead uh, which you can compensate for in post-production, but it's just annoying. Right. But what I was doing is I was trying to prove to myself that 3D photos were worth the trouble and 3D videos as well. And um, my son had, at the time, an Oculus Quest 2. And uh, the Oculus Quest 2, now they prefer that it's called a MetaQuest because, of course, Meta bought it, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Facebook, a.k.a. Zucker, whatever. Mm-hmm. Mark Zuckerberg, anyway. And so he... Uh, they, he, he basically said, um, here, borrow my head, my VR headset. And I wanted to test and see whether or not it was actually worth it. So in order to convert the file formats, um, uh, on the 3d camera, the Fuji one, they do their own format called MPO, Mm -hmm. um, for their video files and such. And the JPEGs are actually, when you open them, you can't tell that they are in fact 3d photos. So, you had to convert them into the the generic, what they call side-by-side format. So you mm-hmm. basically get two images, one on the left, one on the right. So it looks like a, a big, long rectangle. And uh, anyway, so 
What I learned, and there, there's an app called Stereo Photo Maker. It only runs on Windows, but you can run it as a crossover app on your Mac, which is what I did. Um, but I tried a whole bunch of them, and that was the one I preferred. In any mm-hmm. case, I converted all the Fuji photos across into side-by-side, loaded them into this um, this application on the that I bought for the MetaQuest uh, 2, mm-hmm. and uh, it's called uh, Pegasus. So think Pegasus, but with the word pig instead of peg. Mm. Uh, anyway, so did yeah, you put lipstick weird, on it. But don't, I did not put lipstick on my Pegasus. No, I did not. I probably could have, but uh, yeah, never mind. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I found that video was pretty much almost a waste of time mm. on that thing because the depth issue. Yeah. Like if you didn't have the subject right up close to you, and you're just taking 3D film of. Um, a scene in front of you and there was like a group of people they were playing cricket or they were just wandering around or doing whatever, you lose that 3D effect. It's like it's not very striking. It's not very compelling. And mm. when I took photos of an individual subject that was right up close to me, like within a few feet of the lens, mm-hmm. um, that's when I'm like, whoa, this is, this is really impressive. Um, like it is very, very impressive. But I was looking at it on, on MetaQuest 2. Yeah. And the MetaQuest 2 does not have very good resolution at all. So I was really keen to see what it was like a few months later when my son just, you know, basically caved in and bought himself a a MetaQuest 3, Mm. which is a much newer, much higher resolution, much better headset, but still not as good as an Apple Vision Pro, but certainly very, very good. And then as a comparative, I then loaded the same photos into the MetaQuest 3, and the ones that looked good on the MetaQuest 2 looked amazing on yeah. the MetaQuest 3. And I'm just like, okay, this is definitely something. Yeah. But the problem Can with I this just camera. Say, yeah. Isn't it awesome when the kids get old enough that they buy really cool toys you can play with too? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh, I know. Oh, it's awesome. I got a hand-me-down of, an, of a MetaQuest 2. Um, from my son. So that's the first time I've that's had a, a hand reverse me up. hand down. It's kind of, <laughs> kind of cool. It's a hand me up. It's a hand me up. <laughs> anyway, so, um, so the, the, the thing that's uh, the biggest problem I had with this camera was that the video it took was only 720p. Mm-hmm. And this camera was made in 2012, 2010. Um, it had no real decent image stabilization at all. The dynamic range was, was terrible. And unless you're in really good light, it was it was grainy. Mm. Uh, it took amazing 3D photos. Still photos was fantastic. And the interpupillary distance, the gap between the lenses and such to match your pupils on the Fuji mm. was um, 75 millimeters, which was actually what's recommended because mm. it'll, it'll essentially be more the average for a human being. So what you're seeing will be more representative. Like the spacing between your Unfortunately, eyes. Unfortunately... Yes, yeah. exactly. So in any case, um, I was itching once I got the, because uh, that was one of the decisions between getting um, the iPhone 15 uh, Pro or Pro Max was the ability to take spatial video. So let's now talk a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. So one of the reasons I wanted to do it is because I wanted to continue taking spatial videos or what Apple calls spatial videos, 3D videos. Mm-hmm. Now, the the iPhone 15 Pro or Pro Max, the, the IPD, the distance between the lenses, is only 20 millimeters, which is nearly a quarter of what that is on the Fuji. And I was highly skeptical. I mean, very, very, very skeptical that this would actually produce an effective 3D, um, a, a 3D effect. And yeah, on the on the plus side, um, you know. It's integrated into a device that I don't have to, that'll be with me anyway, most of the time. So unlike the Fuji, which I got to take with me and make sure I charge it and all that other good stuff, the phone will be with me at all times. So, you know, the best camera being the, the camera that you've got on you figure, you know, that's, uh, right. that, that's, a, that's a positive. So you can do these, these on the Pro on the Pro Max. And I actually installed the public beta um, before it was formally released uh, back in late 2023. And there's an app called Spatialify. Um, it's currently in test flight, in, I, in, I, in iOS test flight. And you can convert your um, your spatial video to side-by-side format. And then you can view it in any VR headset on the market. So that's exactly what I did. 
You can also adjust the eye distance in the app between 20 millimeters and 70 millimeters. It defaults to 36. I haven't actually played too much with that and looked at the resulting output, but I, leaving it at the default of 36, um, the export looks fantastic and it's it's not an issue. So you can also support it in half side-by-side, side, full side-by-side, side, which is what I use. Half over-under and full over-under, just different formats, but I ended up using full side-by-side. Side. It just worked best for the for the Quest. Now, obviously... These videos on Apple Vision Pro, they aren't going to require anything like that. It'll be fine right? as it is. So you don't need to worry about it um, in any case. Um, so, yes. And the other thing that got me that I it didn't occur to me at the time because I assumed, oh, it records 4K video. So you'll be recording 4K, you know, spatial videos. Mm-hmm. Not true. They're only 1080p at 30 say, frames a second. I, that's which, what I thought I remembered. Yeah. And, and I, initially I'm like, oh, that's ridiculous. Maybe they'll... Though they're doing this in steps and I'll do it as a software update down the road. But then I sat down and did the math and I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, now I get it. So the problem is that um, the iPhone 15 Pro and Pro Max, that whilst it has three lenses, only two of them are genuinely side by side. So whilst you can correct um, algorithmically um, for having only 20 millimeters of IPD, it's more difficult in the vertical axis to correct for it. So you're not going to use the zoom lens. So you end up using the one on the right-hand side. Well, when when your phone lenses are pointing at the subject and the phone screen is facing you, the one on the right-hand side is the 48-megapixel 24-millimeter um, right. um, main camera. And the one on the left-hand side is the ultra-wide, which is only 12 megapixels. So initially... I thought, right, well, you know, the one on the right-hand side is 8064 by 6048 RAW. And I scale it down, of course, unless you want the RAW. Um, but in any case, the ultra-wide is 4032 by 3024. So yeah. you would think that there is enough pixels there to do 3840 by 2160, which is 4K. Hmm. But what you've got to do is compensate for the fact that the focal lengths are completely different. It's almost 50%. Uh, it's almost half. So the ultra wide is 13 millimeters and the standard main is 24 millimeter effective. So that is a problem. It means that basically you have to crop in on your 13 mil and that crop in to meet, reach an equivalent of 24 millimeters is 2184 by 1638. So there's not enough vertical lines. Doesn't quite make no, it. You can't do 2160. You could interpolate. You could probably like do some weird computational stuff, but the left-hand side of it would be dodgy. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think Apple just said, nah, we'll just stick with 1920 by 1080. Right. Now, um, the the thing that got me, though, when I was doing all this investigation, Vic, and, and playing with it in the beta, I was, I was like, oh, this video, this is a cool thing, right? Because the little mm-hmm. there's a little... Uh, image, an icon of the uh, Apple Vision Pro, and you can tap on that and it'll automatically default you into spatial video settings. But you can only do that in video. You can't do that for a, for a still photograph. Really? And I'm like, yeah, why? Why not? That's I mean, I can take a 3D photo with with my, yeah, I know, I, I can do I take a 3D photo with my um, Fuji camera from, you know, 14 years old, 14-year-old camera, and it looks great. Why can't I do that with this camera? Uh, it's it's video only. Now, I don't know why. Um, if I'm missing something obvious, maybe I am. But um, I'm hoping that there'll be a software update. It seems if they could get that pretty good for video, then a still photo should be easier, I would think. I would think too. And I don't get it. I suspect that it'll come down the road. Um, but I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. So maybe I'm missing something obvious. I don't think so. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with that. But um, most interested in this focus on what it can do, which is the video. So um, Mm -hmm. as I said, my son purchased a MetaQuest 3. um, And again, the resolution is fantastic. So I took and went through the same exercise, but unlike Stereo Photomaker, Spatialify is actually super easy to use. You basically just say, um, open up my photo library and it'll show you all the photos that are spatial, I'm sorry, videos that are spatial, and you just select one and choose the export format and away you go. Um, I just put those onto my um, Synology. So I I load all of these, yeah, I load all my um, videos onto the Synology 
uh, in the control, you go into the control panel and you um, go to the media indexing and you re-index uh, the video folder, and then it magically shows up in the DLNA uh, UPnP folder in uh, Pegasus, mm. and um, then you can just look at the videos. So, um, honestly, uh, I got I I. I I was saying I crept up on my son. So my son was cooking something in the kitchen and <laughs> I walked up to him taking a spatial video and I was getting close to him and he had the spatula and he was all fl- the egg flipper, sorry, I should say. Um, and he was, you know, he had the, fl- the flipper thing anyway. And I said, oh, oh hey, hey, Ben, I'm, t- I'm trying the um, spatial video thing. And he gets the spatula and he comes up and he's, he's waving it right in front of my face. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm like, whoa, 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 you know, okay, let's just, you know, back off. It's all good, mate. Anyway, so then I go and put that video in the MetaQuest 3 and I'm watching it and it pops in my face so much. It felt, it felt very much like, you know, my son was, was essentially going to whack me in the face with the with the flipper and so um it was it was mind-blowingly impressive it was it was seriously honestly um and because it was 1080p and it was on a meta quest 3 um the quality was exceptionally good and that's cool it's more yeah it's more or less at that point where i'm like i may not get one immediately but I know I will eventually get an Apple Vision Pro because it will look even more amazing. I have no doubt about that. Mm. It's just, wow, you know? So, but it, it, the same learnings from the Fujifilm apply here because the laws of physics are the laws of physics. Like, you need to get close enough to the subject such that that extra eye view gets depth perception. The further away you go, trigonometry tells you the angle gets too low. You lose that. Yeah, and you lose that depth. And there's just nothing you can do about it. It's just physics. So, honestly, Vic, um, I'm thoroughly impressed. Um, but the questions I have... I wonder if they'll ever start putting a camera lens on each end of the phone for that. Well, that's what I thought they would do. And we we talked about this a months ago, like yeah. maybe even a year ago. And I said that it was inevitable that they were going to introduce um, 3D video recording and photo photography um, on iPhones to make people want an Apple Vision Pro, which is exactly what they did. I mean, I'm not claiming that that was like, oh, hey, I predicted the future because it was so bleedingly obvious. If you didn't see that, and you just weren't, didn't, weren't thinking about it. Right. Um, but the problem is that what I got wrong is, well, why didn't they do that for still photos? And the other thing is, why only 1080p? Right. So, um, and I'm stunned when they put those lenses so close together because clearly what they're doing is they've said, well, we want our lenses in a lens cluster and we'll just, com- we'll just compute our way out of it. So, mm-hmm. I think that... Yeah. If you were to have them on on extreme ends of the phone, um, I think it would actually give you slightly better 3D representation. But maybe they just figured in all of their testing that computationally they can adjust the IPD and they get information that's good enough. Yeah, well... I don't think computation can solve the problem because it's like the whole, if you close your left eye and then you close your right eye, you will see different information because different light from a different angle is hitting the three, coming off the 3D object you're looking at. Right. You can't fake that. You you can't. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? It's like. Right. It's, yeah. It's never going to be quite as good. But you know what? Irrespective, um, I was. But the ugliness of two camera bumps, John. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> It'll be uneven. Uneven, I tell you. Um, bottom line is that um, I am absolutely pumped, excited about the Apple Vision Pro just for this feature alone. And I know that there's so much more that it's it can do. But for me, this is its killer feature. It always was. Right. Um, I just needed to satisfy myself that it was worth it. And I think it is. Even though I haven't tried an Apple Vision Pro yet, I can I know that the step up from the Quest 2 to the Quest 3 was was massive. And the step up from the Quest 3 to the Apple Vision Pro, reportedly by people that have used it, is a step up again. So I have no doubt whatsoever that one of these is in my future. I just don't know how far down the road and which kidney I'm selling. Anyway. <laughs> Thought you were going to say which kid you're selling first. <laughs> I could, uh, yeah, I could do that too. It's only a question mm. of which is more painful. And I'm like, hmm, maybe selling the kid is less painful. We'll see. Uh, one of mine, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear me. But anyway, so um, I guess we can talk a little bit also about the, because when, when I was doing the notes for this, the uh, Apple Vision Pro had not actually been released yet right. for sale. Now it's up for sale. 
Pre-orders started yesterday as we record. Yeah, that's right. Have you had a chance to have a look through the updated website? No, not really. I actually don't have a ton of interest in this product, although Scott is convinced I'm going to buy one, but I don't really have a ton of interest in it. Why is Scott convinced you'll buy it? Because I buy everything Apple makes. (laughs) Do you have a Pro Display XDR? I do not. I actually have a lot of things, mm-hmm. Apple. Do you makes have a Mac I Pro? Have. I do not. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, ra- rather than Scott not be in the room to defend himself, um, he, I'm sure he has his reasons for thinking this. Um, but irrespective, I went on the website and um, yesterday and had a bit of a scour through it. Mm-hmm. And uh, they got a couple of videos up there, like the making of it, which is always fun to watch the making of videos. And so the making of this thing is like, oh, cool, that's how they do that. And, oh, wow, that seems excessive and over the top, but whatever. Um, and, yes, yeah, so a little minute and a half thing about the making of the Apple Vision Pro, and it all looks very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one that's also interesting is there's a seven, eight, nine-minute video. I forget what it is. It's like introducing Apple Vision Pro. And it's a supposedly the first time this, this person has used it. So there's, um, I forget a name. Alexander or something like that, um, whatever her name is, um, introducing it to this guy, and this guy apparently never used it before. And, you know, so she's like, well, you look at this, and you do that, and you do this, and you do that. And it's like, it's a bit cringy, but it, it kind of gets the point across. And Because I had wondered, well, how do you adjust the screen size? How do you move the windows around? And it's like, okay, so you, you look at the corner, and then the control will magically appear, and then you pinch and grab it as you're looking at it, and then you can drag to increase the size of whatever. And it's like little details like this that aren't obvious from the previous videos at WWDC, you know, they walk through some of those basics. So that'll definitely help when people go to use this thing and understanding how to use it. Mm-hmm. So that was um, that was good. I watched that whole thing uh, twice just to get my head around it, and it all looks pretty good. Um, but yeah, going through the order page, so there's three models. You can get a, a 256 gig, 512 gig, and, and one terabyte model. Mm. Obviously, each model as you go up has a, uh, a new insane uh, step up in price because Apple storage, uh, rip right. off, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Because of course. I mean, they're consistent. They're consistent. And no, I'm not going to get anything more than a 256 gig. You've got to be kidding me. I don't care. I will cycle through stuff before I pay those prices. Thank you very much. Yeah. Anyway. So um, the other... Just curious. What is the one terabyte? Oh, uh, I don't have it up in front of me. Hold um, on a second. I'm looking. But, and yeah. Get started. Yep. I'll grab an iPhone. I don't want to grab an iPhone. You may have to scan right. your face. I, no, I don't want to scan my face. I can't. Mm. It won't let you. So this is the thing, right? Is that... Wait, wait, wait. One terabyte. $38.99. Jeez. <laughs> so um so when you do this there's an app clip i think that's a better better price than the laptops it, it is but it's still not worth it 36.99 and 38.99 but i agree it's not worth it we can buy one terabyte solid state drive for under 100 bucks I, um, yeah, I know. please you know <laughs> no just no anyway all right so the um yeah, I was going to say, yeah, right. So the uh, the Apple Vision Pro um, website, when you log in on Apple, when you go to the Apple website, it, there's an app clip. And so you, you hold your phone up to the app clip, it downloads this app clip, mm. and then it just scans your face. And it's very analogous if you've got a phone, has to have Face ID. If you've done the Face ID setup, that's all it is. It's effectively the same kind of thing. Mm. And you just got to move your head around in a couple of times. And it says, yep, I got your face. And I'm like, great, please don't do anything dodgy with that. And Apple says, yep, we've picked your light shield. Now, they're not going to tell you what the hell the light shield is, but, you know, just trust us, you know. Like, great. Anyway, so once you've done that, then you go through and you select the option that you want, um, and then you can talk about your lenses. Now, the thing that's interesting is that they say very clearly in there that the Zeiss inserts will not work if you have a prism setting on your um, lens, on your glasses prescription. Now, what does that mean? Unfortunately for me, I lost my. Sub- <laughs> it, it yeah. the The problem is, it's I think it's a barrel correction mm. uh, for barrel distortion. Um, so I didn't have time to look into this before the show because I only went up. You know, I only looked at this yesterday, but um, and I was busy yesterday. But um, right, yeah. I, at this stage, my understanding is if you've got 
multifocal lenses, it's probably going to be an issue. If you wear glasses for distance viewing or for reading, it's not a problem. But if you've got multifocals, it's going to be an issue. So they basically said if you've got a prism value, um, then you basically you can't get a lens for it. Sorry. Yeah. So um, I don't know. The jury's out as to how this is going to work. This is like where Syracuse was talking about which which of my prescriptions do I need. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So Syracuse's eyes rather like mine. Um, we have two scripts, one for distance viewing and one for up close, or in his case, one for computer work. Right. Uh, which, you know, you, so the the way that a lot of people with this condition, you know, which is just called getting old, um, <laughs> you st- <laughs> I guess everybody. It's a um, condition we all have. Oh, dear. <laughs> it's, a con- <laughs> it's an inevitable condition for most of us, you know. Oh, my God. Anyway, never mind. Yeah. Uh, never mind at all. Anyhow, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, we um, so you can get contact lenses for your distance vision correction, and then when you want to do reading up close, you can then put just normal readers that you'll buy at the chemist or drugstore, and put them over the top. And that's what I did there for a while. Mm. Uh, but what I don't understand is. Is that therefore a viable solution if you're wearing the Apple Vision Pro? Like, would you wear contacts for distance viewing and then and then get the reader's inserts, which are only a hundred bucks US, mm. versus the prescription, you know, one forty nines? But I'm just like I said, I need to understand, and other people will figure this out. And this is one of those few things that I'm grateful that it's launching in the states before it's launching here, because like the Americans. You're going to be guinea pigs for me, and you're going to figure this stuff out. So I'll just wa- sit back and watch and let you work through the detail, okay? <laughs> and then once you've figured all that out, I'll be like, aha, now I know what I need to do. So anyway, I do need to get new glasses. These ones are getting close to three years old. So I looked at the script the other day, and these lenses are scratched up to hell, and I need new ones. So mm. this time I'll be a little bit more careful about it, but I'd like to go in there and say, oh, you know, I'll, I need a copy of my... Uh, prescription because last time I they they give you one when you buy the glasses but I can't find it it's it's gone somewhere so I need to get that again so I'll uh, I will ask them these questions once I know because I mean it may well be that if you need two different kinds of lenses the only way to do it is like I say pop on contact lenses and then get the readers inserts and then you've got the full range of vision right uh, otherwise it might just be that it's tuned for up close it might be tuned for distance I don't know. It'll, it it depends on how they've engineered it. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah. Finally, exciting. So they'll they'll be available on the second of February, which will be probably about a week after this uh, episode goes live. And um, yes, to all the guinea pigs out there, let me know how it goes. Okay. I won't be one of them. My only interest in it really is honestly. Um, I like to watch TV in it, <laughs> but I'm also yeah. pretty fond of my actual real Dolby Atmos surround sound system and. <clears throat> spatial audio and AirPods and stuff is really nice, but it's just not going to compete with that. And also there's a $3,500 price tag to watch TV with it. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, using it as an external display for my MacBook Pro would be really nice too. But again, $3,500 price tag on it. It really kind of curbs my enthusiasm for this product. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Indeed. See, the other thing to keep in mind too, Vic, is that um, – if you want to have a a private experience, you need your AirPods. And then what I so what I had is a situation where I my son's AirPods met the dryer, mm-hmm. and so I bought new AirPods Pro and gave him my old ones. Right. Anyway, um, I did that two months before they released the USB C version. Mm. Now I don't. There was nothing on the specs for the AirPods Pro USB-C version that jumped out at anybody as them being different. Right. They were just a USB-C charging case. Everyone just like shrugged, let's, you know, nothing to see here. Turns out they put in 5 gigahertz into the damn AirPods and that's what the Vision Pro will use for low latency audio. And I'm like... Right. So I missed out on those AirPods by two months. Uh, I'm not... Not that I knew I needed to wait. So it's like if I want to have that kind of an experience, if I do get an Apple Vision Pro, I'm up for another set of freaking AirPods. Yay. So that's annoying. Yeah, this is the uh, 
the discreetly labeled second gen, second gen. <laughs> yeah, the second gen of the second gen. Yeah, exactly. Don't call it third gen. Right. Ay, ay, ay. Anyway. All right, so if you want to talk more about this, you can reach me on the Fediverse at chigi at engineer.space or the network at engnet at engineer.space if you're enjoying Pragmatic and you'd like to support us and keep the show ad-free, you can by becoming a premium supporter. Just visit engineer.network slash pragmatic to learn how you can help this show to continue to be made. Thank you. A big thank you to all of our supporters. A special thank you to our silver producers, Mitch Bilger, Shane O'Neill, Leslie, Kellen Fredelius Fujimoto, Jared Roman, Joel Maher, Katarina Will, Chad During, and Ian Gallagher. And an extra special thank you to our gold producer, Stephen Bridal, and our gold producer, known only as R. Pragmatic is a podcasting 2.0 enhanced show, and with the right podcast player, you'll have episode locations enhanced chapters, and real-time subtitles on selected episodes. And you can also stream sats and boost with messages if you like. There's details on how, along with the Boostergram leaderboard, for this and all the shows on our website. If you'd like to get in touch with Vic, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you, mate? Uh, you can find me in most places at Vic Hudson one I still have a uh, Twitter slash X account, although it doesn't get a lot of use, and you can find me on the Fediverse as... Uh, Vic Hudson one at at no wait mm. Vic Hudson one at app dot dot net that's it yeah app dot dot net <laughs> I cringe every time I hear that uh, domain but anyway right yeah yeah I know that's all good well a special thank you to our supporters and a big thank you to everyone for listening and as always thank you Vic it's always a good time having you on the show. Yes, thank you for having me. I had a good time as well.